This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study. We examine some questions teachers may face and give some teaching tips along the way. This fall, we are studying the Gospel of Mark. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by Bob Bunn. Bob is our editor who works on the Leader Guide, the Leader Pack, and Quick Source. So he is super valuable on our team. He also leads a Bible study group at his church using Explore the Bible. So he brings with him just a lot of good practical experience. Bob, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Today, we are looking at session four, uh, and that will cover Mark chapter six, verses 30 through 44. Uh, so we'll just begin by looking at an outline for this passage, uh, and then we will roll into some questions uh, that your group members may have so that we can help you be fully prepared and equipped for anything that might come up as you uh, talk about this talk about this passage. So we begin in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 and 32, and here the disciples returned after having been sent out and reported to Jesus the things that they had done and taught. Jesus directed them to go to a remote place to rest because the going and coming of people made it so difficult to relax and recharge. They weren't even able to eat. They boarded a boat and headed to a remote location. Then in verse 33 and 34, the crowd followed Jesus and his disciples uh, on foot and arrived at the remote location before them. Uh, Jesus, seeing them, had compassion on the crowd. He recognized that they were desperate like helpless sheep. And in response, he began to teach them. In verses 35 through 38, the disciples realized the crowd needed to eat, and so they recommended sending the people into the surrounding areas to find food. When Jesus challenged the disciples to provide a meal, they focused on the expense required to feed such a multitude. After being asked by Jesus to evaluate their resources, the disciples discovered five loaves of bread and two fish. And finally, in verses 39 through 44, after instructing the disciples to organize the crowd into groups of hundreds and fifties, Jesus blessed the loaves and fish. He gave the disciples portions to be served to the crowd until everyone was satisfied. The disciples, uh, after all of this occurred, the disciples collected 12 baskets of leftovers after feeding more than 5,000 people with the loaves and fish. And our summary statement for the whole session today is that Jesus satisfies by providing for our needs. So this is a great um, this is a great passage and probably a familiar one uh, if your group members have been in in church for very long. Um, and it it can easily be I think kind of skimmed over. Oh, we know that story, but it is it is rich in in truth for us today and for what we need today. So it's, I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're looking at this. All right. Well, Bob, we're going to begin with questions. Um, At the very beginning of this passage, the disciples, they were quite busy and and had many people seeking them out. We don't exactly have maybe multitudes seeking us out today (laughs) like they did, but we still have busy lives. What is the importance of rest, and why did Jesus think the disciples needed to get away? 
yeah, you, you really need to look at the context of this passage. Of course, I'm big on context anyway. So I think yeah. anytime you're digging into the passage of any passage, you need to you need to understand what the context was. The context of this one, Jesus had sent them out to minister in the surrounding cities. And they had done some incredible things. And they were actually coming back to give their missionary report, if you want to think of it that way, for Jesus. They were going to tell they were telling him all the stuff that he was doing, all the things that they had seen, all the blessings that they had experienced. And of course, Jesus was thrilled by that. But he understood that they needed to get away after such a strenuous time of ministry. And so that was why he was encouraging the rest. I think for us, we need to remember two things. First of all, there's a physical aspect to rest. Uh, we were not created to be energizer bunnies. We were not created to just run and run and run and run and run and never rest. Uh, as you mentioned, they hadn't even had a chance to eat. And they, you know, we need to eat. We need to rest. We need to, we need to take care of our physical bodies. Uh, we are the temple of God physically. And so God expects us to take care of that. Um, you know, we need to, we need that opportunity to recharge and to uh, just to kind of, renew ourselves because if if we're burning the candle at both ends we're going to be at best ineffective yeah and at worst we're going to burn out and we're just going to be we're going to be completely uh, toast when it comes to that kind of stuff and we won't be we won't be as useful uh, won't be as effective as we'd be if we if 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 we don't get the rest that we need the other idea is that there's a there's a spiritual side to this as well um you know, God in, God ordains a Sabbath. God ordained a day of rest, a time of rest. And we can talk about, and we're going to do Genesis in a couple of quarters, so we'll, we may talk about that then. But but there is this idea of uh, God intentionally setting aside time, first for himself and then as an example for us, to get away from it all, mm-hmm. to, to unplug and to focus on him. And that's part of that is because as we do that, as we take that time to rest, we not only physically restore ourselves, but spiritually we remember we can't do this on our own. We are completely dependent on him. We need him. Um, And so we just need to take some time to slow down or even stop and, and keep reminding ourselves just how dependent we are on him. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 46 said, you know, stop fighting, be still, stop striving, as some translations say. Stop fighting and know that I am God. Take a break, slow down, stop, rest, and remember who I am and who you are in me. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting that that even though that was Jesus' original plan, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a few minutes, I think, but even though it was Jesus' original plan to pull these guys aside and give them a chance to rest, before they got a chance to do that, they were immediately confronted with this ministry opportunity, with this huge crowd that, as you you mentioned earlier, Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd, and his heart was broken for them. And so he, they were immediately thrust back into this ministry setting, yeah. which sometimes happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes we we think we're going to we think we're going to back off, but we just can't because another door opens up. And we've got to be wise about whether we walk through that door or not. But if God leads us into another ministry setting, he's also going to energize us and equip us and strengthen us to accomplish the things that he wants us to accomplish. And eventually we'll get to the rest part, but 
we just have to stay open to his leading and to his guidance in that area. You know, it's actually kind of encouraging to hear um, and to read Jesus telling them to rest because it's not like we could do these things in our own strength, like ministry things anyways. So uh, the reminder to rest is really just a reminder to trust the Lord to provide what you'll need and for him to do the work, um, which is just always nice to hear. <laughs> just a good reminder. Yeah. Yeah, we, we bought into this lie that I think it's a cultural lie that, mm -hmm. that you know, you've always got to be doing something to be to be effective. You always have to be moving. You always have to be on the go. And, you know, God's world, God's agenda is is completely different from what the world's agenda is. His economy is operates so much differently than ours. And he says, no, you're it's OK to rest. Yeah, it's OK to take the time off. Uh, it's OK to step back for a few minutes. And uh, he encouraged us to do that. Like I said, he actually set the example for us for yeah. doing that. Well, so this discussion kind of leads us into our next question. Why did Jesus tell the disciples to feed the crowd if he knew they couldn't? Because there were tons of people there. And he mm -hmm. says, please feed these people. Yeah. I think a better question is, why couldn't they actually do it? I don't know that it's a matter of they couldn't do it. I, I, I think it's more a matter of why they weren't able to do it. Because remember, again, they had just come off this great revival tour. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. they had been all over the place doing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, you don't want to measure or compare miracles against miracles. But they had been out healing sick people and casting out demons and doing this and doing that. And so when they've, they, were, they knew they could do that. What was it about this situation that shook their faith a little bit? Hmm. Why couldn't they just understand that the same God who provided the power for them to do those other things was going to be able to help them do, uh, not really do, but help them uh, meet this need as yeah. well? Uh, so, you know, it's not so much, it's not so much that, uh, that they couldn't do it. It's just, I think they lost sight. I think they lost focus. Uh, of what was important. Hmm. Um, I think it's interesting. You mentioned this is really well known by a lot of people if they've been in church for a while. Part of the reason for that is because it, as long, aside from the resurrection, this is the only miracle that's mentioned in all four gospels. And, oh, okay. Yeah. And so um, it helps us to understand one of the blessings of that is that we can go back and look at the other stories and see what the other gospels. Cause Mark, Mark is, is, I mean, he's on the go. He, he condenses things. He doesn't always give us all the details we want. And so it's, it's helpful for situations like this to be able to go back and say, well, what did the other gospel writers say? And so I look back at John, which is interesting because in my quiet time this morning, I read John's version of this. It just happened to be the same day that we were recording this. John, uh, one of the things about John's gospel is that he, he, he brings out the fact that Jesus was testing the disciples. He was testing them. He was he was trying to get them outside of the box uh, that he was trying to help them use the experiences that they had already had and filter the situation that they were in through all that and to see if they learned anything. And unfortunately, whatever they learned kind of got lost in the moment for them. Um, but he, I think he wanted them to see, hey, you can we can solve this situation, too. We can deal with this situation, too. Their problem was that they lost focus, that they were either looking at the size of the crowd, which was huge, 
or the size of their resources, which was really small. And they got so fixated on either one of those mm-hmm. that they that they missed the fact that a really big God was standing right next to them and that he was going to be able to solve this problem. He was going to be able to meet these needs. And so part of the part of the reason that that God that, that Jesus threw the ball back into their court was to help them think through uh, what what was going to happen and what needed to happen. And he gave them a little, it's sort of like a little pop quiz. So today, as we read this passage and think about our own um, experiences or situations where we feel like things are beyond what we can really see a solution for, why might we look to others or ourselves or things to meet our needs instead of turning to Jesus? Because I think we do much of the same things that the disciples did. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, we do. Uh, part of the problem is that uh, we get things twisted. We we tend. Jesus says to walk by faith, not by sight. We tend to walk by sight, not by faith. Uh, we 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 yeah. give faith lip service. We go around and we talk about how God is powerful and can supply all our needs. And we'll quote passages like that, or we'll quote passages like Hebrews chapter one, or chapter, excuse me, Hebrews chapter eleven. It says, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But then we get really comfortable, uncomfortable thinking about all the things that we can't see and can't can't relate to. And so we we really struggle with that. The truth is, we really prefer to trust in the things that we can see. It's just easier. Oh, it is. It is because you know, for all for all that we are as as believers and and all that God has done for us, it's still hard uh, to 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 get beyond trusting our eyes. Mm-hmm. One of the the other another thing is that one of the greatest lies that came out came out of the Garden of Eden is that we are somehow self sufficient as human beings, mm-hmm. and so we think we can solve our own problems with preferably no help at all. We'd rather pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and just do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Or if we have to involve a small number of people, we will, if they can help us accomplish the goals that we have set for us. But really, we'd rather just get things compl- accomplished with our, ourselves or with a small group, people that we can see, people that we can touch, people that we can we can interact with, because it's really hard sometimes for us to sit back and trust a God that we haven't seen or that we haven't physically seen. Right. Um, So, you know, the truth is, you know people, I know people, our listeners know people who they would classify as control freaks. Maybe they are control freaks and they're they're aware enough to admit it. But the fact is we are all control freaks. And sometimes the very worst control freaks in our lives are the ones we see in the mirror every day. And so we have to be in control. We can't let go. Uh, This morning I was... um, my, my granddaughter came over to our house because uh, she spends, sometimes she'll spend the day with my family, with my wife. And uh, so she was, when she came up, when she came in the house, she was holding onto a, a small rock, a small stone, piece of gravel that she had picked up somewhere along the way. And she's like that. She's a toddler. And so she picks up stuff and likes to hang on to it and carry it around all day. That's, that's what toddlers do. But I asked her, I said, you know, Avery, can I, can I see your rock? Can I look at your rock for a second? And she looked at me and she said, and this is how she does. No, no, <laughs> no, no. She would not let me hold that rock. She would not let me take it out of her hand. And that's really how we are. Sometimes we get a hold of something and we just can't let it go. We say, you know, God says, Hey, why don't you let me take that? And we say, no, no, <laughs> no, no, we don't want to do that. 
we have trouble letting go. So, so what God does is he puts us in situations where we have to let go. Yes. We, he puts us in where, he, where we're forced to let go of whatever we're hanging on to. And hopefully when we do that and we see him work in our lives, we learn. And so the next time we're faced with that situation, we know that we, we trusted him before. We can trust him again. And hopefully we're more able to let go. But if we're not, we'll go through that process again. And he will continue to work on us and get rid of and, and kind of re- refine us in that area for as long as it takes. And to be honest, it's going to take a lifetime mm-hmm. because of our sin nature. We're never going to get over this. <laughs> this is going to be a chronic problem in our lives until we get into eternity. Yeah. But God is patient and God is gracious. And he continues to teach us and to show us like that, um, those kind of things. And so, you know, we're going to have this tendency to, to kind of trust ourselves and to, mm-hmm. and to, skip trusting Jesus, but he's going to continue to point us back to him because that's just how he is. Yeah, that's really true. Goodness. Uh, So early in this passage, uh, and I'm looking at like verse 30, where Jesus speaking to the disciples says, come away by yourself to a remote place. So we we begin the passage with that. Jesus is um, started out planning to meet the disciples needs. How did he end up doing that through this situation? Well, he really did it in two different ways. First, he did it very tangibly, mm-hmm. very physically. You know, he he took these, these five loaves and two fish, which are basically just five biscuits and two sardines, and and fed five thousand or five thousand men, probably ten thousand to fifteen thousand people total. And even after he had done all that, they still collected twelve baskets full. Mm-hmm. And, and so they get the disciples get the leftovers, right? Each of the disciples gets their own basket. And this was not like, you know, you go to your restaurant and you have a little bit of food left over and they give you this little styrofoam container to carry it home in. These were pretty good sized baskets. Yeah. And so God being God, he not only provided for their needs, he probably gave them more than they actually needed, which he is so gracious and so loving to do so often, uh, just to teach them again this lesson about who you're going to trust. Mm-hmm. What, you know, who, who are you going to put your faith in? Uh, you can put it in yourself or you can put it in me. If you put it in me, you're going to get more than you can ever, ever imagine. The other side is, I think Jesus also met their spiritual need, uh, along with their physical need. He ingrained in their minds and in their hearts this lesson of trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. And Obviously, they probably didn't catch on. We know from if we continue to read Mark and the other Gospels, we know they really didn't catch on in the moment. But I can't help but think after after Jesus' death, after Jesus' resurrection, after his ascension, after Pentecost, when they're out on the road, going to places that they'd never been, facing situations they'd never faced, facing violence that they probably never would have imagined, they were able to look back and say, hey, you know, I remember. (laughs) I remember the fish in the loaves. And I know that God took care of us then, and I believe he will take care of us now, so I can rest in that. So I think spiritually he was setting them up to meet their needs even that way by teaching them that no matter whatever circumstances they faced, even if they were really difficult circumstances, he was going to be there for them. He was going to take care of them and he was going to meet their needs. You know, that's really good because like I could imagine 
even even maybe before his death. Well, here's the story to tell. Let me tell you about this story about this time we were here. It is, it is a, a story, a teaching, a truth uh, about who Jesus is that was that could easily just be shared in a conversation. Um, it, and of course, as you as you explained, made much clearer after his resurrection. Um, but still, what a what a valuable piece of truth to be able to hold on to and and have been have experienced it really. But, the gospel of mark is proof of that mm-hmm. because mark wasn't mark might have been there that day he hung around with jesus he hung around with the disciples but he wasn't one of the he wasn't one of the apostles mm-hmm. and so you know tradition says and we've talked about this before tradition says that he he got a lot of his information from peter yeah who would have been there that day and so somewhere along the way in their conversations peter said hey let me tell you about this time <laughs> dot 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 <laughs> and so you know there that there was there was some there, it makes sense to think that they went around telling this story and could remember it and could reflect back on it yeah and it's a powerful one uh so each week we want to bring up uh something that can help you as a group leader to be equipped in your as you lead the group discussion of this passage and certainly the leader guide or the quick source leader guide whichever one you use or if you use the daily discipleship guide the teaching plans in the back um, those certainly give you all you need to effectively unpack this passage have great discussion and talk through what the lord is teaching us Um, i do just want to point out so beginning this fall uh, and we talked about this a few weeks ago but beginning this fall uh, in your leader guide, you'll find QR codes that link to just some bonus content. And it's really intended to be something that will enrich your preparation as a teacher. So as you uh, look at this passage and think about exactly what's happening so that you can faithfully teach it, uh, here are just some extra things. And so this week there is a QR code in the leader guide. If you scan that with your phone, it's going to pull up Um, this great map of the Sea of Galilee, uh, and you'll be able to look on there. There's some uh, places around the Sea of Galilee and some notable events in Jesus's earthly ministry that you can just kind of see, oh, a lot of things happen in this one area. Uh, And it just gives a little geographical context to what is happening in this passage and and other things that happen in this same region uh, during Jesus's ministry. So that is there. It is new. We hope you find it helpful and um, just a valuable extra little nugget of information as you as you dig into this passage to be ready to teach. So don't miss that. Uh, okay, so let me encourage you to take a look at the blog posts. Uh, they are on goexplorethebible.com slash blog. And I'm just going to repeat that because uh, you have to put go at the beginning. So go explore the Bible.com slash blog. Every Thursday, a new post is added. And these posts will help you better understand uh, the Explore the Bible resources and the ideas behind these resources. You'll also find practical helps for leading a group. Um, and so it comes out every Thursday. We, we hope you find that helpful. Bob, thank you for joining us today. You are always um, welcome and always a source of great information. So thank you. Well, it's been a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Yep. Uh, next week, we will have Mike Livingston with us again. He is a regular uh, on this podcast and we will be examining Mark chapter seven. Uh, we hope you'll join us.